Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is RU Fan Jerry, and welcome to another edition of the R Big Show. We have two weeks left in the Rutgers football season, two final games in the regular season, and the Scarlet Knights are coming off. An, I want to say another tough loss, but a, a, another one of these grueling, and it's been a really grueling month uh, consecutively of losses in this uh, four-game stretch that we've talked about for a long time. Uh, has a 31-14 to 14 loss to Nebraska this past weekend. Um, looking forward to this show. Kind of give an opportunity for people, uh, if you want fans to get out here, um, support as the program, uh, voice your opinions on what your thoughts are. You know, as I was sitting there in the stands uh, down uh, when it was 21 nothing, and uh, it just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel uh, that this is where the program should be at this stage. Um, you know, I understand when you're playing Ohio State. I understand the shortcomings that Rutgers has, um, particularly certain units of the field, uh, like defensive backs. And, uh, you know, you're just not going to compete with the horses. Uh, uh, you know, this is a Nebraska team, though, that, Coming in was four and six. Nothing, obviously, you know, surely one of the best four and six teams in the, in the country. Um, but nevertheless, uh, this was not a juggernaut that was that that made you feel like uh, at that moment when it was twenty one nothing that here we go we're going to go through another one of these games that uh, you know we had against Michigan and uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State where you just did not feel any so sort of um, competitiveness and it it definitely struck. Uh, uh, to me, uh, a, a chord, and uh, from the perspective of where we trying, was Rutgers trying to do its best? It, was it uh, accepting uh, where they were in terms of the kind of effort, not just from the players, and I have no doubt that the players are playing to their best, but the administration and the coaching and what the product was out there uh, really started to miss, really settle in for me uh, at that moment. Now, uh, as quick as that happened, I, the, the, I think credit again to the players who, who were playing hard and were able to uh, bring the game back in, into some sort of, uh, there was a moment or two where it, where it was, you know, you felt like there was something to get excitement, but uh, you know, nevertheless, it, it was a 31 to 14 game, and uh, definitely opens up the uh, the conversation uh, that I felt didn't need to start until this particular week. Week, because for me, last week I talked about this with uh, Sam uh, Sam Hellman, who was on on, on the Scout Network, and uh, you know, I said you can't start talking about firing the coach. Uh, while the team still has a chance to be bowl eligible. And, you know, Nebraska was always the game that uh, many felt of these, that the team had a chance to, to its best chance to win, I should say. So um, it was something to me that let's not have that, this conversation at that time. But now clearly Rutgers is three and seven. I'm not so interested in, in the, stories of the possibility of a five and seven bowl game, but uh, you know, you, you clearly now have 
are not going to exceed expectations for this year. So definitely the conversation uh, deserves to, 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 to start to begin. So I'm going to put the call, the number out there is 914-338-1694. I welcome anyone to uh, uh, call in. Uh, to, you know, this week, um, and this is no slight to, to Army. I've always respected, obviously, the Army program. Um, but with Rutgers not having a Big Ten game, um, I didn't bring on any guests to, to talk uh, from a football perspective. Uh, you know, again, no disrespect to Army, but, you know, Rutgers, uh, I don't think there's much in the way of the strategic, uh, you know, what needs to be done. Uh, they need to stop the Army offense, shut down their run, and they need to run the ball and play the kind of game that this team has been built, which is run the ball, uh, have Laviano roll out, have Laviano play off of the play action pass, and and you know just from the talent perspective, uh, there's no doubt that they should do that against Army. So we're really not going to talk too much uh, strategy and you know what's needed to take to beat Army. Uh, so we'll have this discussion, and then later in the show, by the way, we'll go ahead back. I'm looking forward to bringing um, Shannon. Uh, hopefully, he calls in. We'll chat a little bit about a big Big Ten game in uh, Michigan and uh, Ohio State and Michigan State uh, this week. So uh, hitting that point of the season where obviously these are are like mini playoff games, so looking forward to that. But, again, we'll get get back to the Rutgers side of it. Want to hear everyone's thoughts. Are you willing to come on? The number, again, is 914-338-1694. And I'm excited because my first guest actually uh, is a – a longtime fan and supporter of the program. Uh, many of you guys know him as at John New on on uh, Twitter, and and a guy uh, who's obviously not only a supporter of the program, but helped to actually make uh, the experience of being a Rutgers fan better uh, in in the work that he's done with our vision. So, looking forward uh, to hearing him and listening to some of the thoughts. On his program, on 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 the program itself. So, uh, first, I'd like to welcome uh, John to the show. How you doing, John? Hey, Jerry. How you doing? Very good. I appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, as obviously I mentioned, you're, you're a longtime fan and supporter. And uh, you know, just to give us some some background, uh, you know, how long have you been uh, a fan and, and supporting uh, the program? So, um, I'm 54 years old, and I've been a fan and supporter almost that long. My uh, Both my parents went to Rutgers and uh, uncles and cousins. And, you know, Army is, uh, especially going up to West Point, is interesting because one of my earliest memories as like a four- or five-year-old is my dad throwing me into his big old green Chrysler New Yorker and uh, us going up to West Point and us having to stop along the along the way a couple times because I got car sick on the way up there. Um, but... Uh, Went to um, went to school there. Was uh, spent really all four years at WRSU and was sports director there. So did uh, radio play-by-play in the late '70s and early '80s, and then left New Jersey and have moved down south to was in Tennessee for a while and in Virginia. But um, about ten years ago, decided had gone up for a couple of games years before that and decided to get season tickets. In 05, which, as you know, is right, which is like the magical time to get really mm-hmm. reconnected with the program that way and have been a season ticket holder now and make the, the five or six hour trip up and back from Richmond, Virginia, you know, seven times a year to go see uh, football. 
Well, I appreciate it. I didn't mean to make you uh, yell out your age, but I appreciate you <laughs> throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, fine. You know, uh, if, funny enough, I, I'm actually a similar, I mean, where I, I'm a 96 grad, so uh, I, I lived in the city, I lived in Brooklyn, and I uh, didn't, you know, I used to pick one or two games that I would go to, you know, usually pick one like an army that you hope that had a chance. This is this is talking about now after I graduated, like ninety seven, you know, ninety eight, you know, ninety nine, and then I would go to the Miami Virginia Tech game, which was not fun, you know. And but you right. know, you were watching some really good players, and and we kind of did this as a little bit of a pattern. Eventually, I got married, moved to New Jersey, and and it was same thing. Two thousand and five, where you know, I think it was this, the USF game that uh, I remember saying, you know, what, I'm just going to buy the, the season tickets for the rest of the year and. And, and that's kind of, you know, a story. And I think it's probably a very similar story because then boom, it was 2006. Uh, you'll probably find a lot of people have that experience. Yeah, it really is. I mean, from my perspective, you know, I, I really remember we used to go every year when I was a little kid to the Princeton game, and more times than not, that was on the Princeton campus. And then over the time that I went to school there was really the time sort of that you know, President Blaustein declaring, quote-unquote, going big time. It's when we went down to Tennessee and won. You know, I was at the Alabama game at Giants Stadium that we almost won. So we sort of have seen, you know, that Frank Burns high and then Dick Anderson and then Graber and then, you know, those dreaded two words, Terry Shea, and then Greg coming in. So really seeing the ups and downs and, you know, the sort of, attempts to go bigger and better and then obviously getting into the Big Ten and seeing, you know, the way, you know, things have played out over the last couple of years, you know, definitely gives a lot of perspective there. But also, you know, I think from our perspective, you know, we're always wondering when it's been a constant, you know, for all that time, when are we going to take the next step? When is there going to be the commitment, um, not only on the football side, but across the board, um, and everybody, you know, thought that by getting into the Big Ten we'd be doing that, and, you know, we're, we're still not quite there um, from that overall commitment standpoint, and I think that's the piece that, you know, frustrates, I know frustrates me and frustrates the fan base, I think, more than anything else. Well, obviously, uh, you know, first I have to say uh, you made some waves. Uh, I think you're, you're – uh, tweets were picked up um, by by NJ Tom in the newspaper, and uh, you know, but very well thought out. You know, definitely were not. Uh, you know, it wasn't a case where uh, you know you had a few uh, too many were tweeting off. I mean, they're very well <laughs> thought out, and <laughs> you know, you know, uh, and, and I tell you, kind of started the conversation right off the top, where in in talking about the situation from the administration standpoint and the commitment level. And, you know, I brought, I think of a story last week uh, that I, I talked to uh, on my show when I took the trip out to Michigan. Uh, I had been out to Michigan before to see a game, but this was my first time obviously going to see the Rutgers. And we went out there and, uh, you know, just enjoying the campus, beautiful campus. And we had a professor come over to us. Uh, and I was actually met another Rutgers fan at that moment. We were just chatting and introduced himself as a professor. And he's like, you know, I was glad to have you guys in the Big Ten and the so the first thing the other guy says to me was, he said, you know, I bet you if I was a Rutgers, that would not happen. And 
and, you know, it's just something that I started to think about actually a couple of times during the week because uh, whether it's true and it may be it's perception, but there certainly is some, you know, how it is where there's smoke, there's fire. It's, uh, you know, just this concept of, you know, we're in the Big Ten and I realize what the commitment was that's out there in Michigan when you look at their facilities, you know, from a field hockey to a tennis, and it's amazing. And it's not it's evident and it's not there yet uh, at Rutgers and there's a long way to go and no one expected it to be there today. But uh, I think your point was starting a conversation needs to start at the, at the highest level. Yeah. And it's been, you know, when you go way, way back, I mean, that's always, there's always been, you know, at least, especially since when I went to school, you know, when there was talk about instead of playing, you know, the Holy Crosses and Bucknells every year playing the, you know, the Alabamas and Tennessees every year, there's always been this constant, you know, struggle between the academic and the athletic side. And it goes, you know, that's how far it goes back. And we're still fighting that fight, um, you know, even today. And, you know, I think I guess the frustrating part is, you know, there is a lot of positives that being in the Big Ten brings to the academic side, um, that people on the academic side still haven't quite realized. You know, everything from the ability to, you know, share, to take part in sharing research, to more money, to more applications, you know, for, for admission, all those types of things. And, um, you know, obviously there's this great focus on the athletic side and the fact that we're still being subsidized in a big way by the, you know, by the school. But, you know, four or five years from now, that whole um, dynamic is going to flip when that Big Ten money comes in. And my, I guess my frustration is we're that close to that, but every year that we wait in trying to, you know, fund some of these great drawings and proposals and all that kind of stuff that are out there, it's almost like we lose five years. Because if you Google, you know, each one of the Big Ten schools and athletic facilities, every other school in the league is now building hundreds of millions of dollars worth of new uh, athletic buildings right now, even the ones you wouldn't necessarily think, like the Minnesotas, the Northwesterns of the world. And every year we, we don't do that, or every, you know, every period of time we don't do that, it's just harder and harder for our coaches to compete, for our student-athletes to compete, and we're asked to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And at some point, we have to wake up and say, you know what, we're in this league now, and if we want to compete at the highest level, then we need to give all of our folks the tools that are necessary to compete at that high level because we're there and we're reaping the other benefits on the academic side and it's only fair that we give everybody the tools to, you know, compete on the athletic side as well. So now uh, I guess the question becomes, is the, are those tools available and can, can Rutgers make that kind of financial commitment at this time? And, and then I guess, you know, secondary, um, from the administration standpoint, obviously from the president, are they are they interested in making that commitment? Well, that you know that's the big question, and that's why 
You know, I think, um, you know, Bob Cancro at OnTheBanks.com did a column where he sort of went down my tweets, tweet by tweet, and I think it did a really good job of interpreting what I was trying to say at 140 characters at a time. You know, I I don't feel that there is the commitment from the highest level um, to do that. And, you know, I think the president has done a very good job of doing what he was brought in to do, um, which was primarily, as everybody knows, you know, overseeing, you know, the merger of the schools and the um, medical school and all of that. And, you know, hats off to him. He did an incredible job doing that. I don't think there's ever been any sincere interest in him, in his, on his part, of really wanting to be the leader of a Big Ten school with Big Ten athletics. And I think from, you know, the um, all the way, you know, from how the whole Mike Rice thing was handled all the way through to today, there's, I think he's been brought along almost begrudgingly. There have been public comments to that effect. You know, he has not been willing to open up the coffers or take any, um, you know, look, take a look at taking loans against this future money that's coming in, and you know, totally understand that it's that it's the, you know, the um, alumni's responsibility to kick in some of those dollars as well. And I think, you know, efforts being made to do that historically, we're not a fan base that gives. We've relied on state money in the past for those big projects and those wells have draw, you know, that well has dried up a long time ago. But by the same token, the money is going to be there a couple of years from now, and we're in the window that we could be creative in, in tapping into some of that money if there was a willingness to do that. And to, the, to date, we haven't really seen that. And I don't think he's really placed the emphasis there. And because of that, I think everybody, there's been a trickle-down effect through the you know, my opinion, through the department. And, you know, like I said, you know, if we're going to be at that level, especially the rabid sports fans like us, you know, we're not happy to be, you know, in the Big Ten and be, you know, anywhere from four and eight to seven and five in football every year and and sit through the three to four blowouts because we know we don't have the tools to compete. Um, you know, we're not happy that we don't have a basketball facility, practice facility that other schools much smaller than us have been able to finance. You know, we're not happy when you look at, you know, some of the Olympic sports and, and you know, what we're asking those coaches to do without any facilities. But we're happy to be in the Big Ten now and to reap some of the other benefits for there. So, you know, it's frustrating that we're not, you know, being put in a position where we can, you know, really expect our folks to compete at that high level and expect our coaches and our student-athletes to do more with less. It affects us on the field. It affects us definitely in recruiting. And, you know, if we are going to make some, you know, hard choices about coaches and all that kind of stuff, it's going to affect our ability to recruit the best coach to take, you know, to take our programs into the future. So let's circle, because uh, you put a lot of great information out there, and let's circle this back out to the football field. Because, you know, for, for me, and, and, and this was what I said last week, where, you know, everyone uh, was already, you know, there was, I shouldn't say everyone, there was already a call out there for uh, for, for Kyle Flood, you know. Um, 
you know, someone that already wanted him to, you know, let's start talking about him being fired last week. And, and my thing was, well, you know, the blowouts are, they're demoralizing. They're not fun. Uh, you know, I don't know any other way to say it. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I don't think anyone expected, or Rutgers definitely the expectations were not to win those three games. Uh, you know, and at that point, Rutgers was three and six. They still had a chance. Now, you know, you're three and seven. And one of the things that Rutgers, two things that Kyle Flood is, or, and Rutgers fans have been pitching is one, and, and I agree with it. You know, the program has been nine out of ten bowl games, uh, nine bowl games in nine out of ten years, and the APR, and it runs a good program. And that blew up in our face early this year in September. Uh, uh, Coach Flood got himself in, I don't care how benign people look at it, he got himself involved in, in a situation where with the, the whole uh, email to the professor. And then now you take away, uh, in a couple of years when these APR numbers start going down, because by the way, we've kicked off a bunch of guys on our team, uh, it's uh, this cell, his cell, his biggest cell is all gone, in, in my opinion. So once we now hit this point where we're not making a bowl game or, uh, you know, we're not getting to the five and seven thing. Uh, to me, do you, is Flood the guy that is going to recruit his butt off in New Jersey and take us to the next level, which he has not done in the next two years? Uh, to me, right now at this point, he's not going to be the guy that's going to take us uh, in the future. So the question becomes, why can we fire him and look for a new coach? And where is that money going to come from? Uh, and, and who's willing to step up and, and make those contributions? Yeah, I mean, that's the, what is it, the $3 million-plus question, right? So, you know, what concerns me more than anything else is every year we're gonna, we have to play um, right off the bat six teams that we know who they are. So when you look at the coaches right now of four of them, um, you know, they are viewed sort of across the board as incredibly dynamic, some of the leading coaches in the country – um, whether they've proven it on the field or they just have a really good personality, you know, we're automatically up against them. Three of them are recruiting incredibly actively, maybe even four, all four of them recruiting, you know, recruiting incredibly actively in New Jersey because, you know, part of the strategy of adding Rutgers besides the television households was opening up in a big way a recruiting, uh, you know, garden for the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, there was recently an article in the Cleveland Plain Dealer which pretty much outlined how Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are battling over the cream of the crop in New Jersey. Um, you know, now you're looking at Maryland where, again, the university president is quoted as saying, you know, has taken a very big interest in who the next football coach is going to be and is quoted as saying that money is not going to be an object and they want an exciting product. So you're hearing some of the names that are being thrown out about around there. So that's another coach that, uh, that is probably going to have be very recognizable and have a big name. Um, so now, now, university. Could, you know, uh, 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 sorry, the, the University of Maryland also is is one that has the 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 not it's not quite the Nike and Oregon, but they do have the Under Armour. That yeah, they they have what I like donate. to call a sugar daddy. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, you know, Plank is, you know, is ready to write the big check. The plans for what they're going to do to Cold Fieldhouse to turn it into a football practice facility are amazing. And, you know, that's what you look up against having to compete against those personalities and those facilities. 
And I think, you know, you have to ask the question, you know, can we compete? And that starts with, you know, our football coach and our facilities and the commitment that's being made. And, you know, I think, um, I think you're right. You know, I think Kyle spent a lot of his personal capital on what happened, you know, with the whole email thing. And, you know, there's the residual around the arrests that have happened. We still haven't, you know, found out what this law firm has found that hasn't been released yet. You know, you don't know what's going to happen there. So the question is, you know, um, is there enough there and is there enough money and are there, you know, big level donors or the ability to, um, you know, borrow against future television revenue to go after a big name and spend, you know, upwards of $3 million a year plus increased budgets across the board for assistance you know, to do that. You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but that's sort of where we're at right now. And that's where, you know, again, if if he is going to be out and we don't know that yet, you know, is there the commitment to be made for the future? The people, a lot of the people that are making the case for Kyle are saying, well, you know, at least we know what he can do. And, you know, beware of what you get if you fire him and get somebody else. And, you know, is that a strong enough argument to keep him? You know, I don't know. If you're running a business, is that a strong enough argument to keep your employee? It's basically, you know, uh, beware of the devil you don't know, and I don't know if that's strong enough or not. Uh, absolutely, I agree. And, and you know, I've never – this is kind of probably the first time I, on this show that I actually have this conversation about – firing uh coach flood and i'm not a you know not that i was a supporter either way this way i just i don't think it's a conversation that you have until it becomes realistic and i right, think right and now I agree we with hit you. this and, point and, you know and as a person you know we probably i know i've met him you probably met him you know he has represented the university over the course of time tremendously and you know you don't want to make the case for one way or for another you know and i'm a big believer like you are you don't really have that conversation until there's a conversation to be had yeah and now it becomes uh uh you know now of course you know fans it's a show you know i've got people and talking and and two i think well i guess we're in 2000 uh it's just two years ago when when the year that that Rutgers was in the American Athletic Conference, and there were some issues uh, really with that famous class that just fell apart and, and flood, you know, kind of first showed the first chinks in the armor really that year. Uh, you know, there was discussions that took place that, you know, he used the sugar daddy, which was kind of interesting, but uh, it's a good phrase because workers, and I don't know if this is Julie Herman or how this all happened behind the scenes, uh, obviously there was reaches out to um, donors and to see how much they would put out there if they were to fire him. And uh, the whole story, you probably know more than I do, and I'm not asking you to give any of that, but uh, it, it's not a secret because Rutgers is not very good at keeping secrets that there was definitely – it was looked into it possibly being replaced then, but not all the money was there. At least that's the story that's coming out. Uh, you obviously have to fire him. You got to bring somebody new, uh, whether it was Dan Mullen, whoever it was, and their own staff and the staff. So again, it comes back to this: Is there enough people willing to write the check out there? You know, now I look at it today when I'm looking when 
thousand game Saturday, and I said, you know, this, I enjoy it. I love coming in here. I have six tickets. Uh, you know, this, you know, but this, you know, every time I come out here, this cost me a couple hundred dollars. And, uh, you know, I, it really, you know, I, I saw some great venues this year, but, uh, you know, it wasn't fun for the most part coming to these games. So it's hard to ask the average fan, uh, you know, really need someone and the people who have the ability to come in and do it. Uh, no one ever wants to tell anybody how to spend money, but, uh, you know, where are we on the fundraising and, and increasing, you know, we are in the big 10 and there needs to be a, a, a better program to, to, uh, bring money in yeah you know i think there's a couple of things there first of all i think that um you know if there was the commitment from above there would be enough money and you can find it somewhere if they wanted if they decided they wanted to make a change um you know the situation now is a little bit different than it was two years ago because i think the buyouts i don't know if they're the same they might be a little less um, you know, but, you know, you're not talking in the overall scheme of things, you know, the type of money that you're talking about where you're talking about building practice facilities and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think the change now is that it's not only issues that happened on the field, but also issues that happened off the field. And the combination of both might be you know, the thing that gets some people over the hump. And I, I'm not sure about that, but, you know, that could be the change of dynamic. Um, and to your point, a couple of years ago was sort of the first off year. Now you had a year last year where you, you know, probably overachieved a little bit and made a bowl, you made a bowl and, and had a year that maybe people didn't expect. But now you sort of dipped back again. That plus, the um, off-the-field stuff might get people who were, you know, putting their checkbook on, on to the side, you know, to now stroke a check. Plus, you know, you do have the ability, if they wanted to, to, um, you know, to take a look at it and say, okay, we're going to make the commitment. We're going to get the money for somewhere else. We're going to borrow against the future a little bit. You know, the Big Ten is about to negotiate yet another television contract, which will make the buyouts even bigger than they historically have been. So, you know, if, if they wanted it to happen, they could figure out a way to make it happen. You know, you have the leadership of the Board of Governors, who is also one of the big donors and, you know, big influencer as far as all of this is, hap you know, all of this is concerned. So my sense is if they really, really, really wanted to do something, they could figure out a way how to cobble that money together. You know, the broader question on, on broader fundraising and all that kind of stuff, I think, is a historical problem, and it goes way back, and it's, it's based on the fact that we have never been the type of school that has really done a good job, and this is like decades old, of, you know, mining our fan base in a way that we can really have the fan base sustain these types of things. And, you know, there, you know, in the Mulcahy days, you know, there were great relationships that were struck with the state. That's where all the money or a lot of the money came for Rutgers Stadium. You know, that, like I said before, that well has dried up. And for good or for bad, we don't have that anymore. And, my, and I don't know because it wasn't as involved then in all of that. But my guess is, you know, that was the main place where, you know, money was gotten from. And because of that, I think, you know, we – you know, relationships that take a long time to cultivate, um, 
you know, were probably not cultivated. And it just takes time. It's not like, you know, the light's going to go on with some folks who have, you know, millions of dollars and it's just going to be, okay, I'm going to write a check. You know, fundraising for those who are in that business just takes a long time. In my sense of it, there's, is there's a lot of hard work that's being done there, but it's not something that you can go from zero to 100 million, you know, overnight. It just, you know, it takes, it takes a while. And, you know, have we made some strides there? You know, I think we've made some strides there, but, you know, not the strides yet that we've seen that could, you know, get shovels in the ground on some of the, the drawings that were presented, you know, in the late summer. You know, we hope that that's the case. My sense is you can't get all of that, expect to get all of that money from donors as the university president initially said, you know, that was the sense that I had got that it was like, okay, you guys now, you guys go get the money. You know, in most situations like that, it's at least a certain percentage comes from one place, another comes from another place, another comes from, you know, existing money. And, uh, you know, I think in order to compete, we have to look at that kind of a model, especially since that bigger money is coming not that far down the road. Um, Maryland is eating an incredible amount of money on the Randy Edsel contract. Um, and they're just saying, okay, we're just going to eat that money, and we're going to go spend three, $4 million a year on our football coach, and we're going to, you know, then tap into our donors and other money to, um, you know, to build this new football facility. And they were in as serious a deficit a couple of years ago in their athletic department as we had been. You know, they got a better deal from the Big Ten than we did. Their money started coming in a little bit faster than ours. But, they're, you know, that's who we compete against, uh, you know, in my mind at this stage. We're competing against the Marylands of the world, against the Minnesotas of the world, before we can even think of competing against the Ohio States and Michigan of the world. And if the Marylands and Minnesotas of the world, you know, blow our door- doors off, we're going to be in trouble. So you kind of painted a little bit bleaker of a picture than I wanted to. But now, you know, as I think about it, um, because, uh, you know, going back to the original, I guess, start of the conversation and I guess your first tweet really, you know, in uh, where's the change going to come from? It really has to come from the president's office. And, um, or how much, I guess, concern or how much uh, public outcry would it take um, for, for the president to act? Because, um, you know, there's no, I, I, and I think you have some good ideas, definitely, you know, you know leverage of the financing of, uh, against the, the future money that's going to come, but I don't, I'm not sure I really even agree with doing that to borrow, to hire a coach, which would kind of be something on president. Building facilities and all that is, is, is to me, that makes sense. Um, but, uh, as you mentioned, Rutgers doesn't have that same relationship that, say, like a University of Virginia or North Carolina had historically with with the state. Uh, so it's it's culture that needs to be changed. Uh, but going back to what would it take, you know, even this year, uh, you know, getting to a football standpoint, if, you know, Rutgers four and eight is that going to is that going to build enough outcry from the fan base that the president will listen? And then will he do it begrudgingly and, and with a a, uh, a budget that's not going to be competitive where you're looking at going after coordinators as opposed to uh, some of the best candidates that are out there? You know, I think it depends on who those fans are that are talking to him, right? You know, there's still a core group of 
donors that donate at a much higher level than I do or that you do that are the key influencers. And if they're not happy, and, and again, I think it's not happy not only from an on-the-field standpoint but an off-the-field standpoint, and if they were the ones that, or at least some of them, that a couple of years ago weren't happy, then, you know, I think the president has to listen. You know, there are, you know, some that also have other roles with the university. Greg Brown is the, you know, board of, the head of the Board of Governors. He's also one of the biggest donors historically to the football program. You know, if he's not happy and wants to change and has other people you know, with him that are unhappy and want to change, then those are the people that I would imagine the president of the university listened to. You know, it's, you know, it's everybody else that at least can figure out a way to communicate their unhappiness that, you know, that was sort of, you know, in my frustration earlier this week, you know, I can communicate very effectively on Twitter and, you know, that's what I did. I think everybody has to figure out, what, you know, what their best way is to air their frustration. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many people pay attention to that and listen to that. I think, you know, my guess is there's not going to be a big crowd for that Maryland game. And I think people see that and pay attention to that as well, because that affects bottom line in a lot of ways as well. So, you know, not to say we don't want people to show up and it's senior day and all of that kind of stuff and we hope there's a big crowd, but my guess is that it's not going to be that case and people pay attention to that. No, no, and that definitely it's and uh, I think 2010 they had the Louisville game. This is the last time we had a losing season. Um, same similar situation uh, where it was after Thanksgiving. You know, people are at Black Friday shopping, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. That was actually Black Friday thing, but, um, but the uh, it, it's it it's going to be a tough to to fill out that you know crowd uh, for that game. And you're right, you know, that's going to have a visual effect. It's going to be on TV. It's going to be uh, you know everyone's going to see it, and of course the media's going to pick it up. Um, so you know, great discussion. I appreciate you coming on. I, I, I you know, sounds like you could probably do this all day, which is all, which is great. Um, <laughs> and I pre- and I really appreciate sure. you asking me. Um, you know, it's obviously it's a subject that we're all very passionate about, and we want the best for the school. We want the best for the teams, and you know, I think that um, you know, my target as, as far as where my frustration is, you know, is definitely on the leadership side because. You know, those are the people who can affect change if they wanted to, and they need to know that, you know, there's a group out there of fans that would really like them to do everything they can to give, you know, our teams and our players and our coaches the tools that they need to compete. And, you know, right now, you know, we're, you know, we're going to be behind very quickly unless they do that. And I, and I 100% agree. Now, uh, before I let you go, I, I know you um, obviously professionally are in the industry in, uh, and, and did some you know work with Rutgers in terms of, of uh, media. And and one thing I would say over the, the past couple of years, whether you know it's just the experience at the stadium, um, they definitely are trying in, in, in that aspect. And it, it sounds like they also listen. They have the fan advisory board. Um, you know, there are things that are making the experience better. And even the tailgating scene, things that uh, you notice little things that not everyone does, whether it's uh, 
the setup they have with the grease trucks are or the trucks on, on the walkway and just little things. The experience does keep getting better and there are people who are trying, but um, just give everyone a little bit of, uh, of, of history as far as your work with the, the R vision and, and how that materialized. Cause I think it was really you know, on the forefront of, of other schools. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the credit with that goes to, you know, Tim Pernetti, the first, when he was hired, the first article that I read about what he was talking about in relation to changes he wanted to make was to start some sort of, you know, online, uh, external, you know, television network, I guess is too strong a word, but basically what it was, to promote, uh, to put uh, games on as well as interviews, you know, a whole bunch of what we call in the public relations industry content out there to make accessible for accessible for everybody. And having been an alumnus that has spent a lot of years away from New Brunswick, you know, that was music to my ears because, you know, that, you know, that was the best way for me to stay in touch with the program. So the more videos, the more live game broadcasts, all that kind of stuff, I thought that that was, you know, very important. I used to be the kid, you know, in North Jersey before the games were on WOR that would stick his transistor radio out the, you know, out the window to try and get WCTC at night and barely be able to listen to games. So the ability to, you know, go online and hear and watch games live was very appealing to me. Um, Somewhere during that time, and I'll sort of, and I'll make it quick. My dad passed away, and we shared a passion for Rutgers. And with some of the money that um, I had, and also that he left, you know, I had conversations with the athletic department and said, you know, what is the best way for me to, you know, memorialize my relationship with my father? And Tim and I, and some others, you know, Jason Baum at that time. Um, you know, Colin and the folks uh, in, the, in the department said, you know, we're starting this thing, and, you know, they needed a way to um, start basically a television operation from scratch. People don't understand how much equipment goes into that and also how much manpower goes into that. You know, at the same time, our firm had started a digital agency, and we came to agreement where we created – the Rutgers iPhone and iPad app for the university and basically donated it to the athletic department. Selfishly, it was um, one of the main reasons because I wanted to watch games on my iPad at the time. But, uh, you know, so between that donation and a financial commitment I made, um, we were able to, and, and a whole bunch of hard work on part of the staff's part there, you know, they started it. I was able to help out financially. And, um, you know, it became for all those years leading up to the Big Ten, basically a television network. When the Big Ten came involved and, and basically bought the rights to all the games, all those games went on the btn to go app and people had to pay extra for it. But the money that we raised and the donations that I made – basically then flipped over to helping to get more equipment and more bodies um, to, you know, um, be able, so folks could be able to see all the games that are now on BTN and then all, everything that you see on scarletknights.com, all those coaches' interviews, all the live press conferences and all that kind of stuff, 
are the work of like a handful of people who work insane hours with you know better equipment than they now than they had before to bring all of that to all the fans literally around the world. So, uh, like I said, selfishly, I'm in Virginia. I can watch all that stuff now. But, um, you know, I used to be in television radio before I went in PR, and I thought this would be a great way to get involved but also honor my dad and make sure that, you know, they, the folks in athletics had as much resources as they could have, you know, in order to get that done. And they work incredibly hard, and they do great work. I mean, last week they had, they were broadcasting from the women's soccer match and from, um, you know, uh, from, I guess, one of the basketball games, you know, for BTN. So they just do a great job, and they do a lot with very little, um, and they deserve a lot more better equipment and more staff to get all that done. Well, John, I appreciate all your effort that you put into it, and it's really, like I said, uh, uh, it, it helps um, just to make the fan experience better and, 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 you know, of course, just to see games that you normally wouldn't be able to, whether it's uh, soccer or, or any of the uh, non-revenue sports that people want to follow and, you know, just not easily uh, can. So do appreciate it. And I also appreciate you coming out here, putting yourself out there. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's you know, fortunately, uh, you know, there are, as you said, it, not the best situation, but there are, are a lot of people, you know, that just, uh, you know, want to you want to see workers put out the best product out there, and and uh, uh, you know, everyone gives and does what they can. It's different numbers; it means different things to different people. But uh, when you make that personal commitment and that you're loyal, you know, you want to see the same thing back from the program. So yeah, no appreciate question. you all and, coming and on the show. Yeah, no question, and I think you're right. I mean, whatever. You know, whether it's you can support with season tickets or, you know, um, a small, you know, once every week donation of a paycheck or something like that. I know, you know, and I've had conversations with the people at our fund. I mean, everything is appreciated. And, you know, people don't realize how much it's appreciated. And I think because of that and because of the commitment that people make at various levels, I think you're right. You know, people want the best for the program, and you know we're we're fans and we're passionate, and you know we want the same commitment that we're making to come from the leadership of the university, and and I think hopefully we'll get that coming up, if not in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of years. Perfect. We appreciate you, John, and we'll talk again in the future. Thanks, Jerry. And very good discussion, and I appreciate uh, that. I mean, it, it's. You know, like I said, not something that I like to spend too much time on. One, I don't like to pound on the negativity. It's not something I've, I've, I really have done if you listen to podcasts. Um, but it's really a conversation, especially leading into this Army game. Um, you know, just, you know, I, you can talk X and O's, but right now this is a 3-7 and seven team, uh, and, and we have to deal with, uh, you know, I just, you know, you, you if you were there, it's 21 nothing, and just uh, – uh, you know, you're watching things that are happening on the field that just don't feel right. And then, you know, what is it that's going to fix it? Is it going to be a whole influx of recruits? Uh, well, no, because uh, we're not, we're getting our butts kicked in our own state. You know, we're not recruiting the top 15. And uh, if you're not holding it down with the uh, the APRs and being a clean program and, and this, and that, it's a clean program in that sense, but, you know, off the field incidents, uh, you know, the time is there and that's it, you know, but, it's a great conference. Rutgers is in there. I mean, again, you know, I, 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 uh, 
I was at the game with my my brother was a big Nebraska fan, and it still is crazy to believe that we were hosting Nebraska. But uh, there's a lot of football left, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to take the talk away from uh, coaching and and that and get back on football. So I want to welcome a friend of the show, Shannon Summers, back. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, You should be now rested from your visit out to New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, and uh, ready for this MSU game this weekend. Hey, hey, Jerry, thanks for having me on again. Um, have you guys found my cart magnet yet? <laughs> oh, that's probably <laughs> on eBay somewhere. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, the, we're going through some tough times. Uh, it's been a couple of, you know, knockouts um, since that game. Uh uh, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, you know, Nebraska this week, so this past week. So uh you know what, I'm 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 ready to just talk some other football. And uh it's November, it's time and, and really a good slate of games this week. Uh you know, obviously you have Michigan State and Ohio State, uh but you know, there's also Northwestern and Wisconsin, which is, you know, two ranked teams. Um, and I think Michigan, yeah, Penn State, you know, it's definitely a game that's good for the eyes. So, you know, kick it off. I'll let you start off, uh, you know, MSU, Ohio State, what, what you know, what are the key uh, storylines there? Well, first, before we touch into that, um, I just want to – I know on my podcast a couple weeks ago, when we do our pick segment and everything, I made a prediction that if that team up north scored over 40 points against Rutgers – Kyle Flood's going to lose his job, so uh, I think he's deserving to lose his job finally. But yeah, getting away from that. Uh, the match. By the way, this I, week, I will tell you this: I, I, I enjoyed my trip though there. Um, aside from the game, uh, you know, so now I got I have to make sure that I get out to your campus uh, maybe next year. Oh, definitely love to meet up down uh, for that game. That'd be a lot of fun. But, yeah, the matchup for Saturday, it's just a little bit of one, two top ten teams going at it. One's got one loss that no matter what anybody says, and I, we even, I'm editing last night, and the gentleman that we talked to last night, it wasn't the one play it came down to for uh, Michigan State to lose that game. I mean, anybody that watches football knows it's four different plays that can cause you to loss. Plus, they could have lost that one against Michigan. So it's trying to figure out what team's going to show up. From what I'm understanding, Michigan's just ready to play. They feel disrespected because for some reason, and I don't know why, the national media sitting there talking to D'Antonio and the players, the biggest question is, is the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan. The last time I looked, Michigan State's pretty much finished in the top five the last two years, and I don't understand why – Spartan Nation is being disrespected so much. Kind of bothers you, but uh, it's going to be an interesting knockout drag off. And and it's a you know uh, obviously mathematically who knows, but you know Michigan State could still have legitimate shot of getting itself back into the top four. Obviously, knocking out Ohio State of that four is step number one. So uh, you know you still you, you know. They win this, they can win the division, obviously, and then you still have a potential game of Iowa. So it, this is still has national championship uh, implications for both teams. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, 
the door is not closed on Sparty. Don't get me wrong. I know Buckeye Nation would like to close it. But uh, you're absolutely right. With one loss, it, they're still right there. I think they're ranked ninth right now. So if they were able to go into Columbus, take out Ohio State, I mean, that's going to look huge for them, playing on the road and pulling off a win. All they got would be technically a bad loss with Nebraska. I, it's still a really good win against uh, the number three ranked here right now. So let's talk about your your um, Buckeye offense, I guess. You know, when uh came into Piscataway, uh, the first start for Brad, and it was 49 points on the board. But, you know, the last two weeks, 28. You know, so where do you think JT is with his play? And, and you know, uh, are, are you there yet with what you think the offense can do? Well, one of the best games that I've seen so far offensively from Ohio State was, unfortunately, against Rutgers. I mean, for me personally, sitting there watching it was awesome, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, You look at the Minnesota game, there was no JT. He was sitting out for a suspension, so was Cardell. A lot of Buckeye Nation is not very happy with Cardell this year, which is kind of sad. But then last week, you go into Illinois – and you've seen the same offensive struggles that you were seeing with Cardell, you know, under center. So then you start realizing it's not just the players. It's a lot of it has to do with the offensive coordinators, and that is really bugging me a lot this year. When you have Chris Spillman saying, why are you not taking a shot down the field and they're putting eight, nine guys in the box, there's an issue. I mean, everybody sees it, and you're not taking a shot down the field in order to make the safeties play honest and back up some to a lot of the running game. And I don't know if it's a setup for the final two weeks of the season because they're very big games or what's going on, but it's actually getting kind of frustrating as a fan. Interesting perspective. And um, I don't know how much that also has to do with, you know, when you play two quarterbacks, sometimes, uh, you know, not, it hasn't been that case, obviously for the last, uh, well, I guess you're right with the Minnesota game, but there hasn't been a lot of continuity. So, so perhaps you know the opportunity to work with one guy and let him progress throughout this point in the season. You know, maybe that now is kind of coming back to bite them a little bit. Uh, that you know you don't have a guy that's playing in his 11th game of the season. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of different things that you really can't put your finger on. I just I know last year as far as Going for the final three games for Cardell, my biggest issue, not really issue then, because, hey, he won a national championship for us and he was playing awesome. He had Urban, or, uh, um, Tom Herman and his wife. They were big influences on what Cardell did. They go to Houston. He loses that confidence factor, and you could see that nobody else is picking up that slack and getting in his ear. The kid's got talent. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a good arm. So, I mean – Kind of at a loss, like I said, about the offensive coaching staff, just based on, you know, you got a new coach with Tim Beck and the direction that you're trying to go, what you're trying to accomplish. It, it's, like I said, frustrating. So I'm not going to make you uh, take your prediction here because I know where you're going to go with that. But uh, let's let's talk about the conference in terms of, I mean, you know, this obviously kind of really is your – 
division, your East Division championship, really, for all intents and purposes, right? Um, now, in terms of Iowa, what do they have for the rest of the season? And, and do you see that really, you know, this game being uh, Iowa versus the winner of this game? I was in a really good position. Um, I know a lot of teams are struggling playing against their uh, running backs. I think they got, you know, their rushing attack is pretty good. I mean, you look at the schedule, they're playing Purdue this week. They're going at Nebraska the final week of the season. That's maybe starting to build up to a rivalry. I'm not sure. But uh, they definitely in control of their destiny by far. And just like Ohio State is, Michigan State's in control. I mean, there's they're still there, and a lot of people are predicting, saying that Ohio State's going to win out and Iowa's going to win out, and they're both going to meet in the Big Ten Championship. I'm not ready to call that yet, but Iowa's got an easier path than what Ohio State has. Yeah, now Michigan can't win, right? Because Michigan would need Michigan State to beat Ohio State, and and I guess Michigan no, since Michigan State, State lost to Nebraska, yeah, since Michigan State lost to Nebraska. Now it's a head-to-head for uh, Michigan and Ohio State. So the winner of that, if if Ohio State beats Michigan State, the winner of the Michigan State or Michigan Ohio State game will be playing in the Big Ten championship. Right, 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 right. That is if Michigan well, beats uh, Penn State. Well, Shannon, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, getting on, giving a little bit of. Big Ten chat. It's uh, like I said, a couple, you know, good games, uh, and you know, two good weekends coming up for you in a row. It doesn't get better than this, really, right? Uh, potentially three when you throw in the Big Ten. So uh, this is when it gets fun for for you, Ohio State fans. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, November separates you know the separates you from the pretender. So you have to step up and play your best uh, football. I know in the nineties we lost a lot of games in uh, November. And it cost us maybe two, maybe three national championships because of Michigan and Michigan State. So, and here we are, back to back. Well, good. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk. We'll keep in touch, and everybody will check you out um, on Twitter, and uh, we'll definitely get you on um, once the postseason is on. But uh, thanks for coming in and giving us a Big Ten uh, update. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Well, everybody, thanks again for uh, another week, another chat, uh, an hour-long chat of uh, Rutgers football. Uh, we didn't do much X and O's because uh, I think there's definitely a feeling that uh, everyone really wants to talk about other things. So appreciate John Newman for coming on and giving us a perspective from uh, a longtime fan and supporter of the program. So we'll do this again next week. Uh, this is Are You Fan Jerry. Thank you.